Good morning, First Baptist. Today, we stand to look back at 2023 with gratitude, and we look forward to 2024 with hope. And it's not because everything went the way we thought it would, because it didn't. And it's not because everything was easy, because it wasn't. No, it's because we're filled with gratitude and hope because God has been with us in every second, minute, hour, week, and month of our lives. And that is his promise to us as we enter the new year. We face many unknowns, and so as we worship today, I wanted to share one of my favorite quotes with you. which reads, faith never knows where it is being led, but it loves and knows the one who is leading. So would you stand this morning as we praise the Lord, the one who loves us and makes himself known.
2024 with hope. So would you join us as we sing Majesty. Hey! 
Let's pray, please. Father, how joyful we are to be here to praise you and rejoice that you are a good God. You are worthy to be crowned as King of Kings and Lord of Life. And most of all, that you came down from heaven to save us from our sins, Lord, through Jesus Christ. This was the real reason, Lord, for the season it was your grace and mercy, Father, that we are able to survive another year, regardless of trials and strife. We seek your presence and blessing to carry us through a new year, as you are a sovereign, omniscient God who knows the steps we will take and to be able to live in a manner that will still bring glory to you. But before we ask you of anything, Father, forgive us for our sins so that we can present ourselves as blameless and continue to teach us to rely on you rather than the sins that may enslave us 
or to resort to ways of the flesh. So, Father, we pray for Robert as he brings the message today. Speak through him so that we can receive the blessing, Lord, and instruction that you need us to hear. And bless the congregation today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Um, my name is Jenny Liu. I'm very nervous. Um, I would like to share my testimony with you today. I grew up in a small city, Kota Kinabalu, Malaysia. Growing up in a Christian family, where both of my parents are extremely active serving in church, naturally, I went through infant baptism, grew up knowing and learning about Christ and salvation from attending Sunday school, fellowships, Sunday service, and serving in church. When I was 13, I was old enough to truly understand the meaning of salvation. I accepted Jesus as my personal savior and had a confirmation baptism. I had an easy and blessed childhood being a Christian since my childhood has helped prepare me in my adulthood journey of life. Coming to the States to get my degrees, finding good jobs, finding a good husband was not hard. When we decided to grow our family, getting pregnant was very easy. When Valerie was born, being inexperienced first-time parents, though we noticed subtle signs, Everyone just assured us it's okay. Newborn may act normal first few days, may not act normal first few days. On the night we brought Valerie home, that's when we became, it became very noticeable that something is not right with her. We rushed her back to hospital. Heartbreaking news just come rolling in nonstop. First time in my life I experienced what is unbearable pain, hopelessness, and suffering? Valerie's condition is so serious that she must be transferred to another hospital. Every day, I'm mentally preparing myself. This could be our last day with our daughter. Never have I ever imagined being a parent can be so helpless, painful, and devastating. I cry to God every day on my knees, praying and asking, why? Why me? I'm not strong like the faithful and righteous man Job in the Bible. This is more than I can handle. Begging if God can just fix this and make it go away like a bad dream. Even though we have a very sick child, God is with us and led us through it. We are provided with a team of nurses taking care of Valerie in our home in shifts covering 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Medical equipment to keep her alive, medications, therapists that come to our house day in, day out, countless ER visits and hospital ICU stays are all taken care of. We can see God's unconditional love through these nurses in our home and in hospital. Love and prayers from our family, friends and pastors back in Malaysia, Singapore and Kansas, Pastor and late Mrs. Kwan, Pastor Gary, Pastor Wang all prayed for us. God given us 
close to two memorable years with Valerie before she passed away. Not knowing what the root cause with Valerie's condition was, it took a lot of prayers and faith to have the courage trying again. Fast forward to today, we are blessed with two very busy teenagers, uh, our A and B, Adrian and Brandon. A verse that I memorized since I was a kid in Sunday school. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Proverbs 3.5. It's a verse that I read many times, heard in countless sermons, sing about it, even quoted on some occasions. However, I didn't fully grasp the powerful meaning behind this verse to my darkest moment. This whole journey, it has helped me learn to trust God is always faithful and in control in good times and bad times. To accept, there are things in life that is beyond my limited power to fix, beyond my limited wisdom to understand, but to learn to trust and obey that God, nobody else but God, with his infinite wisdom, is in control. Thank you. Our scripture reading. <laughs> hey, everybody. Our scripture reading today is Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 to 27. Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 to 27. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, First Baptist. Uh, my thanks to the worship team for leading us in praise uh, to the Lord this morning. The words of those timeless songs are a great reminder that he is the God of glory and the Lord of love. And I'm just so grateful to hear that testimony this morning, um, reminding us that he is sovereign. It is especially a good reflection upon some of the very many reasons that we have to praise God. He is the lamb upon the throne. He is the king of kings. He fills us with the light of day, when we see him, we find strength to face the day. There are literally endless reasons for us to praise him. And his gift of peace to those whom he shows his favor is another one of those reasons that today I'm, I'm going to spend time meditating on. Another of those reasons to praise him. So what is peace? Some might respond that it is the opposite of war or chaos, that and, but others may say that it's more than just the absence of war. Um, that is a sense of calmness or tranquility in oneself. Now, these are two very different ways of thinking about peace. 
The former describes an external type of peace, and the latter describes an internal type of peace. External peace is the experience that occurs at either a group or a community level and refers to our relationships, while internal peace is more individualistic and relates to our state of mind. These two types of peace together contribute to what contemporary men mental health professionals call a sense of well-being. Right? The question that arises from all this, and, and pondered by many throughout the ages, is can someone have consistent internal peace when surrounded by strife? Or put more simply, can we have inner peace in the absence of external peace? Maybe stated in a more personal way, you might ask yourself sometimes, how can I find peace in the middle of trials and personal struggle? Well, this quest to find meaningful and lasting peace has in fact been a pursuit for people from all walks of life all over the world throughout history. And today scholars from many different disciplines are actively seeking to study and apply techniques that promote personal peace. Uh, one such example is the Gallup organization's uh, annual surveys uh, that seek to gather worldwide data on public perceptions of personal peace. You may be familiar with them from their uh, well-noted surveys. Uh, another example is the so-called mindfulness techniques, which are currently being promoted throughout corporate and government organizations. The aims of these mindfulness techniques are to reduce stress and promote social-emotional learning. As a public school teacher, I'm pretty familiar with these now because the New York City public school system now requires schools to offer mindfulness breathing exercises for students two to five minutes each day. Uh, so mindfulness meditation has gone mainstream as a popular practice uh, that according to its advocates could promote peace of mind. Now it's clear from these examples that uh, regardless of uh, what philosophical or religious belief people have, people are interested in personal peace. Now, since peace is so important to so many, it should be unsurprising that the Bible has a lot to say about personal peace and how to find it. Okay? A quick word study shows that there are 249 references in the Bible for peace. A more deep reading of scripture reveals that finding peace in God is an essential part of human thriving. And it's not quite the same as the peace that the world offers. In today's message, We'll find out how believers can find peace in the presence of God and uh, what that entails and what that looks like for us today. Please bow with me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, um, it, is, it is my hope and prayer that you, Lord, will magnify your great gift of peace to, to our hearts this morning. Uh, Lord, you know uh, where we're at and what we're going through, uh, how we struggle, the fears that we may have, the obstacles we may face now or in the future. And Father, so we, we turn to you, Lord, as the author and perfecter of, of peace, Lord. Uh, this morning, we, we turn to you, Lord, seeking your comfort as only you can give. I pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. A, a little background to the text that Pastor Aaron read for us. From Numbers 6, uh, 22 to 27. You, you may uh, recognize that it's also called the priestly blessing or the Aaronic benediction. Um, and its authorship is commonly attributed to Moses. Um, but what is special about this prayer? 
Um, several major themes of the Bible are found in its text. And so my approach this morning is, is to look at the, this much beloved text through the lens of those three themes that I've outlined in your bulletin. Uh, the themes of blessing, favor, and peace. I will attempt to unpack what they meant for the original audience first, and then suggest what they may mean for us today. Uh, first slide. First theme is blessing. So probably want to ask ourselves uh, a little bit about that word, right? Now, the stated purpose of blessing in this text is that it would be used by Aaron the high priest to bless, and his sons, to bless God's people. Uh, the text says, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. So what does it mean to bless? The meaning of the phrase, God bless you, may be vague and hard to define by today's standard usage. My grandmother used to say, God bless you, to me whenever I was leaving after my visit with her. It was her standard way of saying goodbye. I always took that to mean that she wished the best for me and hoped that I would get home safe. However, these days, whenever someone sneezes, it's likely that you might hear a whole chorus of other people saying, God bless you. Uh, so what, is, what exactly does it mean to them? Well, that's kind of hard to say because to many people, God bless you is just something you say after someone sneezes. Now, the biblical idea of blessing is clearer than that. Slide. Biblical blessings are spiritual and material benefits given by God to be enjoyed. Spiritual and material blessings given by God to be enjoyed. So then blessing to Old Testament believers was something well-defined and sought after because they saw it as a, a solemn and deliberate act that conveyed tangible and specific advantages to those who were being blessed, the receivers. Uh, for example, the blessing of Jacob on his children comes to mind. Uh, Jacob, as he lay in his deathbed, called his 12 sons to be around his side. And one by one, he spoke a blessing on each. Genesis 49, 28 tells us that he blessed them, each with the blessing suitable to them. It's worth noting that all of Jacob's blessing to his children came to pass in Scripture. The chief one of these, of course, is that the descendants of his son Judah, and not his firstborn son Reuben or any of the others, the descendants of his son Judah would have a prominent place in history as rulers over Israel. And of course, those things began to take place hundreds of years uh, later, leading to King David becoming king over all Israel. David, who came from the line of Judah. And ultimately, Jesus would also be able to trace his lineage back to Judah through Joseph, the husband of Mary, mother of Jesus. This brings us to God's blessing in our text. One of the more important noticings that can be made about this verse is that God is the source of all blessing. God is the source of all blessing. It is clear that the author, the Lord through Moses, is making this point emphatically in two ways. The first way is by the repetition of the name of the Lord, Yahweh. It is repeated three times. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. The second way the author is making his point 
is the way he ends the, the prayer in verse 27. The blessing ends by saying, I, the Lord, will bless them. So it would be abundantly clear to the original hearers that it was not actually the high priest or his sons that brought the blessing. Although their participation was essential as the God-chosen mediators between God and his people, it was, there would be no doubt, it was perfectly clear that it was Yahweh who would bless them through Aaron. God is the source of all blessing. So what did the intended audience of Numbers probably expect from this God-ordained blessing? Well, to know a little bit about maybe how they thought or what they expected, we just need to look to chapter 1.1 of Numbers, where it states, the Lord spoke to Moses in a tent of meeting in the desert of Sinai on the first day of the second month of the second year after the Israelites came out of Egypt. Did you catch all that? These were the same uh, people of Israel that were on Exodus with Moses just two years prior to this. God's people of the Exodus experienced firsthand how God provided for and protected his people. He gave them manna in the wilderness, water in the desert. He parted the Red Sea. He defeated their enemies. The people of the Exodus also experienced the daily presence of God that dwelled with them in the tabernacle and led the people through the wilderness with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. These were the covenant people of God to whom God made promises for numerous descendants, fruitful land, good health, long life, protections from enemies, and God's abiding presence. The list probably goes on. All of this provides reasonable evidence that Moses' audience would have expected their blessings to be tangible, concrete, and life-enhancing. With the blessings of God, they expected to thrive and not simply just to survive. Uh, next slide. Brings us to verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. This is the first part of that blessing. And it's, we can see that it's a prayer for God's protection. God is the protector of those who place their hope in him. The Bible uses many different words to describe this. Keeping you is just one way. Uh, it's also variously described as our refuge and fortress. God is our high tower. God is our rock. God is our deliverer. Psalm 46 states, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Isaiah builds on that in chapter 54, where he says, no weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed, and you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication from me, declares the Lord. In the New Testament, 2 Thessalonians 3.3 builds on that and reveals to us, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. So this is a prayer for God's protection from the enemies of his people and against all evil, including the evil one. This brings us to our next theme, God's favor. The poetic form of this prayer is a helpful way to make it easier to memorize and recall, but perhaps even more importantly, 
The poetic form allows us to make connections to ideas and feelings that otherwise would be difficult to relate to in other forms of writing. See, the metaphors here of God's shining face and, and God turning his face to help us, they help us to understand some deep biblical truths about our relationship to God. For example, the imagery of God's smiling face connects us to the, the Bible notion of God's favor, which may be described as looking kindly upon someone or treating someone with special regard. The Bible contains many direct references to God's favor that helps us to understand what that means. For example, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, and he and his family were saved from the flood in Genesis 6. God gave the Israelites favor and grace in the eyes of the Egyptians in Exodus. In that occasion, the hearts of the Egyptians were softened as they generously gave treasures and provisions to the departing Israelites. So this idea of favor is connected with God's graciousness. It is said that God's graciousness is an outflow of his favor. And the graciousness of God in the Old Testament is one of the roots for that great doctrine of grace. That doctrine, of course, becomes fully developed in the New Testament. And we understand that Moses' audience would not know of God's grace the way that we know it now, but they did experience God's grace. We know that after the children of Israel had sinned by creating the golden calf, Moses went up to the mountain to plead for their forgiveness. While he was there in the presence of God, Moses learned that God was willing to forgive them, not because of who they were or what they had done, but because of his compassion and his grace. Exodus 34, 6 tells us, that he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. God forgave them out of his graciousness and not because they deserved it. That is what grace looks like. God even demonstrated more grace to his people by giving them the law and the foundational principles for a thriving human society e.g. the Ten Commandments. Next slide. It brings us to verse 25. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be grace, gracious to you. This is a prayer for God's continued attitude of grace towards his people. The Lord shining, Lord's face shining on someone in the Bible can also be understood as another way of indicating his blessing and his favor. The blessing here, of course, is for God's grace. And this is how the Bible often describes God's attitude and reason for extending his gifts and blessing to his people. God's favor is shown in his graciousness. The Lord gives out of an attitude of generosity and love. His grace cannot be earned because it is freely given to those he chooses. Passage in Exodus 33:19 shed some light on this. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. It is clear we cannot earn God's grace. The Lord, by grace, entered into covenant relationship with sinful man. This is the good news. Through Adam, and promised to bless the world through him. 
He, he promised through Abraham to bless his descendants. The Lord, by grace, rescued the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. The Lord, by grace, established a system of priestly sacrifices to atone for mankind's sin. So, why does God show grace? Well, God shows grace to the people who cho he chooses to, to demonstrate his love. And his decision to do so is based on his will, not the, what they've done. Bible scholar Dennis Cole explains that God extends his graciousness out of his steadfast covenant love and self-determined will to bless whom he desires. This is a prayer for God to continue to show grace toward his people. And as we tremble in the presence of the Lord, we consider what it means to actually see God's face. With the imagery in that first part of verse 26, the Lord turned his face toward you, continues with more metaphoric language. Now the Bible often uses the negation of that idea that may be helpful for us to understand it. See, because the Bible tells us in places that God sets his face against sinners. In Leviticus 20, verse 3, we read that I myself, this is the, the words of the Lord, will set my face against him and will cut him off from his people. Now, this was uh, in consideration of the punishment uh, for one who has defiled the sanctuary and profaned God's name. In other places, we see that the, this imagery is further developed in, in Psalm 34, 16, where we read, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. And that same idea is echoed by the New Testament author in 1 Peter 3.12, where we read, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The opposite then of the Lord setting his face against sinners would be the turning of his face toward them. So the desire to see the face of the Lord could be understood in terms of receiving his favor. There is more to this rich metaphor, though. The desire to see God's face also carries with it the connotation of being in his very presence. And this part of the prayer implies a continuation of God's special presence with his people. This is, there is peace in God's presence. The ESV version of uh, verse 26 states it last, like this. It says, the, may the Lord lift up his countenance. Some scholars observe that this phrase is equivalent to the majestic smile of God on his covenant community of faith. Now, I just think that that's a beautiful way of thinking about his approval, the smile of God. It's heartwarming for me to picture the smile of the Lord bringing peace to his people. It reminds me of how much I sought after and, and wanted to see my father's own smile. I loved seeing him smile. Those were, those were good times. Those were special times that I always remember, though he's no longer with me. You see, because when he didn't smile, there was always trouble. Our father's smile reminds us that he loves us. In our father's smile, our heavenly father's smile, we have peace. That leads me to the third theme. God's peace. 
As mentioned earlier, the peace of God is not like the peace of the world. The Bible uses the Hebrew word shalom that is translated here to mean peace. Shalom in this context is apparently used in its most expressive context, in fullness. It has to be far more than the absence of war because the Israelites were currently not at war with anyone. The Bible uses many different ways to describe the peace or shalom of God. It's variously described as completeness, unity, well-being, prosperity, health, security, and even wholeness. Uh, the next verse, 26, we read, the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So we know that this is a prayer to know God's shalom, which is a special kind of peace that only God can give. The peace of God, his shalom, may then be summarized as a positive state of rightness and well-being, more than just the absence of war. What makes this part of the prayer even more poignant when I think about it, though, um, is that it was Aaron, the high priest, who was supposed to pronounce this blessing at first. Aaron, the high priest, the same one who just a short time earlier, two years before, in the book of Exodus, led the people astray in the heart, at the heart of the idolatrous rebellion and the making of the golden calf. It was this Aaron who was to pronounce this blessing of peace. This is a reminder that God's peace then is available to all those he has forgiven. It doesn't matter what you've done. The prayer ends in, in verse 27 with instructions for the priest to put my name on the Israelites. That's the NIV trans translation. I think that the, the, the New Living Translation makes this passage a little clearer to understand. It says, When Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel in my name, I myself will bless them. Whenever Aaron and his son bless the people of Israel in my name, I myself will bless them. The name of God is, of course, another way of talking about the character of God. So how then was the priest expected to bless the people in the name of God? Well, let's reason through this for a moment. We know that God cannot bless evil because that would be a contradiction of his goodness, his nature. So it stands to reason that to bless someone in the name of God would imply that the blessing must be in keeping with God's word, God's ways, and God's will. And this is why the Lord will not answer prayers that are outside of his will and are evil. They must be according to his revealed character, to be prayers in his name. The Lord answers made in his name. So then we stop to ponder, what does this prayer generally mean for us today? The so what part. Well, the context in, that this prayer is found in chapter 6 in the book of Numbers leads us to consider that God is preparing the hearts and minds of his people with this blessing for future events that are chronicled later in the book of Numbers. The principle that I see here is that if God has called you, then God will equip you. 2 Corinthians 9.8 elaborates on that. It says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. 
If God has called you, he will equip you. Another important noticing that I've made here is that in, this prayer is directed not only to the community of Israel, but also to each individual believer. See, the language of the text reinforces that truth by the repeated use of the word you. It's the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and grant you peace. This prayer is both then for the community and the individual. Now, I'm convinced that this contrast being made here between the community and the individual is intentional. The community of individuals, uh, the community of believers, sorry, is where we first learn about and experience God. And that's important. We cannot know the Lord without hearing the word, okay? But we are not truly one with the community until we come to personal faith in God. This is and always has been an important scriptural truth. Ultimately, we must all come to have a personal relationship with God by faith through grace. This is something that we can relate to today. We cannot have a relationship with God through others, no matter how much we think of them, no matter if it's our parents, our teachers, or pastors, or anyone else that we look up to. We cannot claim the faith of others. We must have a faith of our own. Now, I'm reminded of my own grandmother who set such a godly example. My grandmother wasn't perfect, but she demonstrated a love, respect, and devotion to God's word, his will, and worship that made others noticed, especially me. It was her simple life and quiet faith that pointed me to God. Her prayers and care blessed me as a child, but as important as that was, however, ultimately, it was it would have to be my own decision to follow God in the person of Jesus Christ. She couldn't do that for me. Do you hear the call of the Lord in your heart this morning? If so, then by answering it, you will be taking your first steps of a new life with God. Are you already walking with God today? Then this prayer is a reminder that you are not alone. There is a community of faith waiting to join you on your journey. This community is a safe place where you may find support and encouragement, like here at FBCF. So specifically, what, is, what does this prayer mean for us today? Well, let's look a little bit, or one more time, at the themes of favor and grace. Just a brief survey of some New Testament developments will clarify that Jesus Christ is the ultimate expression of grace to whom the entire Old Testament points. The author of the book of Hebrews tells us, Jesus is able to mediate for us in ways merely human priests could never do. He is not like other priests who mediated God's, God's grace to humanity because Jesus is without sin. The Gospels describe Jesus as the Son of God who mediates unprecedented grace to the world. John writes that Jesus is the one from whom we have received grace upon grace. Jesus is the one that we turn to for grace. What does God's presence and peace mean to us today? Well, this is interesting because there are numerous passages in the Old Testament that point out it's impossible for sinful man to see 
God face to face and live because he is holy. However, many of the metaphors in our passage this morning are images that invoke a close, intimate, face-to-face relationship with the Lord. How do we reconcile these two ideas? I believe that the New Testament promise of the Holy Spirit to those who believe in Jesus makes that connection for us. In John 14, 15 to 17, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. God does not promise us trouble-free lives. He does not promise us lives without challenges or obstacles and difficulties as you have heard. But he does promise us that his Holy Spirit will be with us. Scripture teaches us that when we come to God through faith in Christ, he blesses each of us with the gift of the Holy Spirit to renew our hearts and make us capable of being in the presence of a holy God. All of this is made possible because Jesus Christ is the ultimate expression of God's shalom, God's peace. Jesus himself said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Jesus is the way then for sinful man to stand in the presence of a holy God, because Jesus is the giver of perfect peace. Finally, we come to the meaning of God's name that Aaron was to bless the people with. What is the meaning of God's name upon us today? Well, to me, this is related to praying in Jesus' name. When we pray in the name of the Lord, in Jesus' name, we're making several significant statements. We are admitting the bankruptcy of our own name. When I pray in Jesus' name, I come boldly before God because of the power of his name. It's like going to the bank of heaven knowing I have nothing deposited. If I go in my name, I will get absolutely nothing. But Jesus Christ has unlimited resources in heaven's bank, and he has granted me the privilege of going to the bank with his name on the check. When we pray in Jesus' name, we're also identifying with the person of Jesus Christ. When I use that name, I confess that he is mine and that I am his. And I'm identifying now with the community and household of faith. When I pray in Jesus' name, I'm praying in his authority. And to ask by his authority is to ask in accordance to his will, as revealed in his word. We are standing on the promises of God. When we pray in Jesus' name, we are submitting to his will. Jesus' authority rested with his submission to the Father. So our authority must rest with our submission to him. To ask in his name, then, is to ask according to his nature. And his nature is one of submission and humility. There is no self-righteousness in prayer. When we pray in Jesus' name, we are representing him and his interests here on earth. 
I've been told that it is much the same as the legal arrangements known as the power of attorney. Maybe you've heard of that. Recently, my wife and I had one of those done. In such matters, one person may represent another in their absence. They act on their behalf. Well, Jesus has given every believer unlimited and general power of attorney in all matters with the right to use his name in every situation when we do it according to his will. And finally, when we pray in Jesus' name, we are to pray expectantly. We are to pray in Jesus' name, expecting the answer in accord with the value of his name. Okay? So that when we pray, we need to get excited because God will move. Prayer is a way everyone may enter and cultivate a close relationship with God. Reading the Bible is a way to get close and know more about the will of God. So if you haven't, if, if you don't already do so already, I want to encourage you to set some time aside every day to pray and read the Bible so that you may experience more of what it means to be in his presence daily. In conclusion, is your heart troubled because of strife and evil? Uh, who wouldn't be these days? Do you have doubts about the graciousness of God? Are you looking for lasting, permanent peace? The message today for you is that you can find peace in the presence of God. Seek his face today so that you may receive his blessing of peace. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word.
generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and their children and their children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening in your coming and your going in your weeping and rejoicing he is for you 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 Good morning, everyone. I'm Paul. I'm the third string announcer, which means that whenever the Soban and Tony and Lauren, when they're out jet setting and what are they drinking? Sparkling apple juice. They call me and say, hey, Paul, can you fill in? So what an honor to do that. Thank you. Um, do we have any new visitors here today? Do we have any new visitors? If you're a new visitor, just raise your hand. We want to give you a gift. We want to connect with you. Do I have anybody? I feel like an auctioneer. Do I have one? I see one hand. Can I get another hand? One more. If you can fill out that card and on your way out of the sanctuary today, there'll be a guest table where you can pick up your gift and again, turn in that card so that we can uh, connect with you. And if you're looking for a place to worship regularly, we would love to have you here in 2024. So as the year comes to a close, as your third string announcer, it's with a little bit of a heavy heart because my contract has not yet been renewed. <laughs> so negotiations are ongoing. Uh, Pastor Gary and Pastor Aaron are very, very tough negotiators. I hired a hard-nosed Hollywood agent and they're very crafty. What they did was they converted him to Christ at the first meeting. So now he's like real soft and he's not really standing up for me. So let's hope that my contract does get renewed. As we come to a close of the year, why don't we all get up and greet each other, say hello to the people around you, share what your New Year's resolution is going to be. 
because if you share it with somebody, then you're more likely to actually comply with it. Let's finish this up so that we can all go to lunch. Now, speaking of the new year, speaking of the new year and the sermon that we just heard, are we good, everyone? I said my contract expires at midnight, so I still have a little authority left. Sit down and listen. Speaking of the new year and the sermon that we just heard about God's blessing, how many of us know that the best way to stay in God's blessing and will is to be in his word on a regular basis? So Pastor Aaron's going to come up because he has a plan here where we can make sure that we're in God's word daily. Pastor Aaron? Thank you, Paul. I don't know why he keeps calling himself the third string. Uh, he is on the rotation. He is on the fifth Sunday of every month. Every, so, <laughs> I don't know why. All right, everybody, uh, today is December 31st, and if you're like me uh, and you finished the Bible in one year, it must have felt spectacular, didn't it? Uh, two people read the Bible this year. Okay. Now, here's the thing. We're going to do it again uh, starting tomorrow, and we're going to be going through the Bible in one year. In your uh, bulletin, you'll see that there is a website called BibleInOneYear.org. You can also download the same plan in the YouVersion Bible. It's very simple. It's very good. It follows uh, Nikki Gumbel's devotional plan, and uh, it'll take you through the Bible in one year. If you don't uh, like to use apps, don't like to use your phone, fine, completely good. In the back of our bulletin, all the readings are listed for the week, and each week, it'll be listed. Don't plan on coming every week, that's fine. Also, in the lobby, there will be, uh, what do you call that? Papers. <laughs> I, I wish I had like a better, like papers in the lobby that'll have all the readings for the year. So go pick one up. Our desire for you is that you would take up and read. We know that when we read God's word, we know God better, and we know God's heart better, and, and our lives begin to change as we invite God into it. So please read along with me, and um, if you'd like to, I mean, I would love to know if you're going to be reading uh, the Bible. If you'd like to, please send me an email. I'll be greatly encouraged, and I'll be praying for you as well. Okay, thank you. Back to you, Paul. And, uh, you know, as we come to the year end, it's really, uh, we should thank the pastoral staff and the staff here for everything that they do. I know that we gave them a love offering and they were very grateful for that. I was hoping that they were going to say, no, it's too generous. Here, take it back. But I guess I'll just try to give a little more next year and see if that happens. Um, 
as I'm looking through the, uh, the news here, actually we just talk about New Year's resolutions, there's actually many things that you can resolve to do right here in the news to get closer to God. And one of them is to come to Sunday school class. We have a new Sunday school that will be starting Sundays at 9.30, and we're going to be studying 1st and 2nd Peter. That starts January 7th. So it'll be a great way if you can come early and participate in that to get into God's word even before service starts. Um, with respect to giving, uh, you know, one thing that we could pray for as the new year starts is pray for God to make us more generous pray in all of our giving, whether it's here at church or out in the community. So if you want to be regular about your giving and you want to be deliberate about your giving, there are 2,024 numbered offering envelopes that you can pick up, and that's a good way to just make sure that your giving is regular and uh, prayerful as we go through the year. Um, another opportunity to give is we have these beautiful flowers and decorations for the sanctuary. How many of you know that you can contribute to beautify our worship space with floral arrangements? And you can see Angela outside. The cost is $25 a week, and it's a wonderful way for you to just participate in doing that. Um, another thing that you can regularly do is be in prayer on Mondays. Noontime Zoom prayer. It's a Zoom meeting. You could do it from work or wherever you are. And uh, if you're interested in doing that, contact Pastor Aaron, and he will give you the link and the details to do that. Um, we're going to go to the Lord now in our time of collecting the offering. And uh, before we do that, I'm going to ask the ushers to come up, and we will pray for the offering. Father, we just thank you so much for this congregation. We thank you for this past year where we've all been given an opportunity by your grace to come around your word, to worship you, and to have the word applied to our hearts so that we could go out into this community in Flushing and in Queens and share the good news of Jesus Christ, Father. I pray that you take this offering and that you use it to your glory right here in this little corner of Queens. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The offering I have today is a little treat for you because if you've never heard a world premiere, this is a world premiere. Uh, the music is by Bernardo Pasquini, someone none of us have ever heard of. And the text, however, is very familiar and it answers the question that what happens to us, whatever harms us. It says here, the Lord will protect you from all evil. How? Because he will keep your soul, the you that is you, all right? So the song, the title is, I Will Lift My Eyes, Psalm 121, go ahead. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day. The moon, nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. I will lift my eyes to the hills from where shall my help come. My help comes from the Lord. 
where shall my help, my help come? My help comes from the Lord. I can't hear the music. My great heaven, who made heaven and the whole earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps his fire will neither slumber nor sleep. He who keeps Israel, he who keeps Israel, keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. I will lift my eyes to the hills, I will lift my eyes up to the hills, from where shall my help come? Where shall my help come? Where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and the Yisrael Chai. Would you all rise for the benediction? Receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Leave today, all glory be to Christ.
Happy New Year, and may the peace and love and joy of God be yours.